live in a confused and busy world. We live with the illusion of control. We live in a culture that tears us away from our God-given spiritual roots. And yet, deep down, we long for spiritual growth. Jesus has the answer. In John 15, Jesus invites us to remain with Him, to abide with Him, to make our home with Him. If we do, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. But how do we make our home with Jesus? It may seem mysterious or difficult or abstract. Here at New Hope, we believe that God has given us everything we need so that we can remain with Jesus. This teaching series will explain how we are developing into a community that is centered around three gifts. Jesus gave us His Word. Jesus gave us the Spirit. And Jesus gave us the sacraments. As we partake of these gifts, we experience true abiding with Jesus, which postures us to bear fruit. Jesus said, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Today's part two of our three-part series we've called Abide, Abide in the Word, Abide in the Spirit, and Abide in the Sacraments. Today, abiding or remaining or making our home with the Spirit. Let's stand together as is our habit and read these scriptures all together out loud. Ready, go. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Last Monday night, I was with uh, another church. And uh, don't worry, not a church that <laughs> I'll be leading, but rather it's a four square church plant 
led by a young man by the name of Tony Scarcello, who's going to preach here in a couple of months, down in Springfield, Oregon. And he invited me to come down to meet with his, with his core team. There's about 20 adults in this house, and they've been meeting together, and, and they'll They'll be launching themselves as a full church here next Easter. And they wanted me to come in and have a discussion with them and lead a discussion around the dangers of Christian nationalism, um, which is something that's happening within our country. It's happened pretty much through the history of the church, the conflation of of, uh, a nationalistic identity with Christ and and the dangers of it. And, And we had a beautiful conversation as we walked through that together. And then we moved together. Um, into a time of communion and worship. And then an, an older guy who's a part of it, he played on his iPad a, a, an old Steve Green song. Some of you have been around the church for a while. You might remember Steve Green. And the song was Find Us Faithful. And I was aware of God's faithfulness to me, and I was stirred that I, I too want to be faithful to pass on to the next generation, whatever it is that God has for us. And suddenly, in that moment, I felt a deep love. I felt encouraged. I felt, well, I would say I felt God in his presence. In that moment, so much faded away. All of my thoughts about politics, the oddity of Christians living in a democracy, and all of that faded, not because it's not important, but because of what is really important is God's presence being made manifest in that room right then. It was late in the evening on Monday, and they told me, after they served me communion, they were still serving one another, they said, oh, you can leave, you have a long drive. But I lingered, I wanted to stay there. And so I stayed. And then I felt compelled to express what I was experiencing to everyone else. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed because God's presence stirred me to encourage them through prayer. And tears were present in the room. And strength was felt by all. Love abounded and everyone lingered longer. What I had experienced was God's presence by his spirit. Because I am, because we are created in the image of God, we have the ability to be aware of ourselves, (laughs) to be aware of our own awareness, and to be aware of the presence of God even. Our existence, you and I, as humans, is is something really profound. Um, Preacher and author Brian Zahn, a guy that I really appreciated. I was listening to a talk that he did uh, a while ago, and he mentioned a dream that he had. And in this dream, he was teaching others about existence and about the, the astounding existence of humans using the, the following objects and illustrations. So here is a rock. It, it exists. <laughs> the rock exists. It can be measured. It can be, you know, it has weight and mass. It is there. That is something that exists. Well, here is a plant. I think I chose sunflowers. Ooh. They too exist. And now this thing in existence is alive. And, you know, through photosynthesis, it grows, it draws from the ground from the minerals, the rocks in the ground, you know, and it is alive. That's a different level of existence. 
here is our cat. <laughs> this is from taken a few years ago when Danya was getting her master's degree. And Danya had her nose in the books. And our cat is so empathic that, too, she just put her nose right into the books <laughs> with Danya. <laughs> now, the cat exists. It's alive. Now, it has another, it has a level of awareness, and it has a will of its own. I think cats are the most beautiful creatures. They are like me. If I choose to love you, it's because I want, I want to love you. I'm not a dog beholden to love you just because that's it. There's no other possibility. No, I choose to love each one of you. And then I will sulk away from time to time and have some alone time. And you think about why it is that I don't feel like I, you don't feel that I love you in that moment. <laughs> Has anybody seen the Netflix documentary, The Mind of Cats? Inside the Mind of Cats? Oh, it was brilliant. We watched it last night with the daughter. Okay. Sorry to all you dog lovers. We're just far more interesting than you. <laughs> Another level of existence. Here's my child. This is my oldest, Jenna, when she was, was she about six there? She's about eight. She's got a jellyfish. She looks as ferocious as she is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, at about six or seven years of age, the human child becomes aware of her own awareness. She is aware that she is an individual. She becomes aware spiritually. And many, children, many people report at this stage of life becoming a Christian because the actuality of God is so obvious to this young person who's, who's, who's made, we would say, made to interact with this God. And they naturally serve, of course. There's an awareness. It's the next level of awareness. They become aware of this presence, a being, a source of love of all creation, and it totally makes sense to the child. But then life maims or distorts that very true experience and awareness. We are hurt by others. We are disappointed. Lainey mentioned our, our families of origin that are broken, created a, a disconnect. We, we live in a secular age that wants to explain everything away scientifically. And so it's almost like culture is trying to drive children away from that very innate reality that they are created beings, but created by a good God that loves them. And we become neglected. We become let down. And so that, that experience can feel distant. And sometimes as a result, and maybe this is you, even this morning, you feel so alone. So maybe even broken. The world indeed has broken you. Geno Smith, he's the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks this year. He had been written off by many fans. James reminded me this last week that Geno Smith hasn't been an opening day starter until, uh, since 2014. Now, he started last Monday night. Anybody watch this game where the Seahawks be beat the Denver Broncos? Yeah, yeah. You can applaud if you want to. Yeah. We need things to cheer about in our world. Yes. 
a reporter, I love this, a reporter asked him, maybe you saw this, after the game, about those who had written him off before. And he said, and he said later, this is off the top of my head. He said, they wrote me off, I ain't wrote back. <laughs> I ain't wrote back. Have you felt written off before? Have you felt like a disappointment? Have you felt like a loser, like a mistake, like you're too broken? Listen, the Holy Spirit testifies against that belief. We don't write a letter of acceptance to those thoughts that come into our mind. We ain't going to write back. Are you with me? When we gather in Jesus' name, like we are doing here this morning, we are abiding with him by his spirit. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together to experience the love and the presence of Jesus. It is a felt and it is a real experience. It is, it is the presence of he who formed us and who loves us and calls us and knows us because we are of him. We are created of him, created in his image. And many of us have experienced that in the church gathering on Sunday or in a small group or a moment where God is ministering by his presence. And in a way, it's unexplainable. It's not controllable. It's not something we can manufacture. You know, Devin can't just lead the right kind of song up here that gets you to the right moment to where you would be emotionally manipulated, but rather it's a little bit un, uh, it's uncontrollable. And it isn't felt all the time, but this presence empowers us when we do sense it, empowers us and it moves us on and it gives us strength for the next day. Some have described over the years, you know, being a pastor, people describe coming into the church and particularly describing the Sunday morning gathering and they, they say things like, it felt like home. Or, heard this recently, I felt safe. Amen. Or, I felt love. I've had people say, the vibe was so, was so great. I love that, the vibe. One lady described to me an aura of the room. It's just, she's just using the language that she can understand. There's something that is intangible, but is so also very real. It's the feeling of belonging. It's being encouraged, being given courage for the next day. This is all evidence that God has not left us. That God is not a set of principles. That he's not just an ideal. Or he's not just simply a way of living. Or a morality. That we're constantly tempted to make God into just a moral code. That if everybody would just do this, we'd be all good. And God's like, okay, maybe let's, let's work on people's hearts. Let's give me space to heal people's hearts. And then we can talk about their behavior. But I need to touch, I need to reach into their heart and let them know that I'm for them and I love them. So maybe church in America, maybe, maybe we could just do away with the moralism that we're so tempted towards. And instead allow God by his spirit to bring his love and his affection for every person. And then we can allow him to be in charge of fixing people's lives because he's in charge of fixing my life. You know what I'm saying? This is the spirit of God wanting to invade. That he's with us now. He's here. And he's so proud of his kids. Like a good father. We are of him. Created in his image and likeness. And so even the most broken, 
the most shattered, the most disfigured, often have an experience of love when we gather together. And it's not just a high, it's not just a random emotion, but this is, and I want, this is the spirit of God who is hovering over the waters, who is present at the creation of the world, the spirit who compelled Jesus to endure everything, the spirit that attended to Jesus, the spirit that led Jesus, the spirit that Jesus gives us to encourage us. We are a church that believes in this. Last week we talked about abiding in the word. We believe as we abide in the spirit together that God is actually present in this moment attending to you. And his work by the Holy Spirit is among us and we feel it, we know it emotionally as well as cognitively. So God is ever present by his word. We talked about that last week and that tends to reach our minds. But God is also ever present by his spirit, which tends to reach into our souls. Now, God can move on anyone at any time by his spirit. And certainly I've had moments of the, his presence alone, particularly like gazing at nature or some extended time of prayer or worship. But there's something incredibly powerful that happens when we specifically gather together in Jesus' name with others who are learning to do the same that we expect God to show up today, now. To abide in the spirit means to consciously expect that God by his spirit attends to us now. Saint Ignatius described this as the following. This is consolation without previous cause. Consolation, to be consoled, to be given hope, to be given encouragement without previous cause. In other words, it's not explainable. It's, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, my foot hurts and now it doesn't. That's with cause. Ah, I'm joyful and relieved. That's wonderful. My foot hurts and I'm discouraged by that, but I feel a sense of encouragement to take the next day. There's without previous cause. In other words, there's something by his spirit that God speaks and to our very souls, it gives us encouragement. It's consolation without previous cause. It's grace in a moment. It's comfort. It's breakthrough. It's encouragement. It's wisdom. It's discernment. It's ability that comes that was not just ours. It's knowledge that comes to our mind. Jesus promised this. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, did not only send Jesus, which into into, into the reality of the world, but also he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. He sent the Spirit to be with us. And we are a church that believes and we're learning to walk in the reality of this God who is with us now. So this is where Jesus, before his death and resurrection, gives this promise to his disciples and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. And this is the spirit of truth. Praise God, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus said. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you by, your, by his spirit. After his resurrection, so... 
That was before and after his resurrection. John records that Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father sent me, so I send you. So he's sending them out into the world. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we see that the Holy Spirit gave encouragement and comfort and guidance to those early followers of him. And over time, the world was turned upside down because these agents of God's love in Jesus' name, empowered by the Spirit, began to create communities in which people could grow in their awareness, the presence of God, and their awareness of how he was calling them to live. And over time, that really, it changed the whole trajectory of the known world because the Holy Spirit was with them. I want to talk back through that phrase or those phrases out of John 14 and explain some things to give you some handholds for what it means to abide with the Spirit. First of all, that phrase, and I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another advocate. So the whole, everybody say advocate. advocate. Yes. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, which is a translation of the Greek word paraclete. Frederick Bruner, a great commentator that I really respect and love, he translates this term as true friend. I love that. The Father, upon the request of Jesus, grants us the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate and our true friend, that he is for you. Everybody, look at me in my eyes right now. Look at me in my eyes. He is for you. He is for you. He's for you. He's, he's for you. He's for Judah, who's a little unsettled right now, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, the jean jacket. Dude, he's got the look. That's great. <laughs> he's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. He loves you. He sees you. He's for you. That's his heart. He's the advocate that comes for you. He's the true friend. He, he's on your side. He's fighting the battles for you, on your behalf, even beyond what you can see. He's protecting you. He has provision for you. Those who are wondering about provision, you trust in the power and the work of the Spirit that he is the advocate that's going to show up with provision. He has it in mind for you. He's our true friend. Oh, I love that. And we all need that. And I've been particularly compelled recently in my prayers for us as a congregation, knowing that you need a word of grace. You need a word of hope in a world that is weary, a world that is difficult, and a life for you that is challenging. God is for you and he's with you. The next phrase, Jesus says, to be with you forever. <laughs> to be with you forever. Jesus gave this gift. He, he sent this gift. The, the triune God sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to be present with us forever. That the Holy Spirit is indeed with us forever. We are not left. We are not discarded. We are not abandoned. We are not on our own trying to figure out life. But God, by his spirit, is for us and he is with us forever. Jesus said this in Matthew um, after his death and resurrection he said, and be sure of this. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Physically, Jesus ascended to be with the Father, but he gave the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us, even to the end of the age. 
He's not like hovering outside of us, <laughs> but rather he makes his home with us. Jesus said, if you abide with me, if you make your home with me, I will make my home in you. And I will dwell and live. And this is profound because in the scriptures, the temple is the place, the, the pure place that God would dwell. But Paul says uh, that Paul says in 1 Corinthians, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. This is profound. That each one of us are a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit dwells, that he's, he's in each, each one of us. Jesus said he abides with you, meaning the Spirit, and he will be in you. This true friend will be in you. You don't belong to yourself, Paul says. Rather, you belong to God. And we, as his prized possession, we must place ourselves in environments that remind us of this over and over and over again. We're going to sing it here in just a moment. God is with us. God is for us. I just, I just want to take a few seconds just think about the gravity of that. That you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might feel my temple is unclean. Okay. Jesus, by his work on the cross, dying in your place, taking upon the sin of the world upon himself, purifies you so that you, before the living God, as you place your trust in him, he sees you, he's, he's washed your sins so that you are now white as snow. As you trust Jesus, you are made white as snow. He purifies the temple of your life. It is his work that does this. It is his grace that does this. And it's simply our response to receive that that enables you and I to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So on one hand, understand that if there is uncleanness in your temple and how you have used your body or the things that you are taking in, that God wants to forgive you and clean you of that. Yes, that is very true. But also, if you feel unclean, the point is not shame and condemnation and for you to feel like, oh my gosh, he has to come in this temple every day. Rather, he has already come all the way to do the work of cleaning you. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think there might be a few of you in here that has something you just need to be reminded of. Jesus goes on at the end of the phrase that we're, or the end of the verses that we're studying, and he says, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. Now, so at this point, when Jesus is giving this instruction, uh, the disciples have been walking with Jesus and experiencing his love and his presence, his care, experiencing his teaching. They were like glued to him. 
They, they had forsaken so much. And they saw Jesus healing the world around them. He was sticking up for the disfigured. He was showing this amazing power of God to, to provide, to heal illnesses and sickness. <laughs> he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. There's a dead man that was dead for like three days. And now he's raised from the dead. But I mean, so they are like, I mean, they are like on the edge of their seat. Like, whoa, where is this going? And then Jesus starts talking about leaving. He had been talking about this, but they didn't understand. He talks about leaving. He talks about going and preparing a place for them somewhere, somewhere else that he would have to die. And they were confused about this. They saw who Jesus was. And now it felt like there's going to be this big distance. You're going off somewhere. And maybe you've also been confused as you think about your own life. Perhaps you are someone that has accepted Jesus has appreciated the work that Jesus has done for you. You admire his teaching. You want to walk in his ways, but Jesus seems distant, far off, like on his throne for sure, admirable for sure, son of God for sure, but it seems way out there. Jesus, knowing his disciples were concerned about this, uses this powerful phrase, I won't leave you orphaned. I won't leave you abandoned to fend on your own. Rather, by the Spirit, we are joined to him and to his love and to his presence over and over and over again. Later, as the Holy Spirit filled the early church and many of them were experiencing this presence and this power and this amazing love that was captivating hearts. Later, Paul, he writes about it and he gives explanation to, to what is taking place. And he writes to the, the church in Rome in chapter eight, verses 14 through 17. He says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. That is, that is us. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, which is this intimate phrase. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, that we're close to him, that he hasn't left us. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Paul is saying we've received God's spirit and therefore we don't have to be fearful slaves toiling at living out the way of Jesus on our own. Rather, he is with us by his spirit. And we are to abide with that, remain in that, be in environments where he can communicate that over and over. Our family loves the musical Hamilton. Anyone? Hamilton fans? Yep. Um, so fun. And uh, last spring, Donnie and I and two of our kids got to see uh, Hamilton at Keller Auditorium up in Portland. And last week, all five of us went to go see Hamilton at the Holt Center in Eugene. There's still some tickets on sale for the shows down there. Um, if you would like to go, it's very fun. It is such a brilliantly done show, and it explores so many themes of life, legacy, family, and I'm especially moved each time by the song, Dear Theodosia. 
in this song, two new fathers, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, express their love to their young children. And I, as I heard that song and saw it performed again last week, it just, it just moved me that this is God's heart for us. I love the, I'll just give you a couple lines from the song. When you smile, I fall apart. Father speaking to his child, when you smile, I fall apart. I just think you're amazing. Then the response of the father to the child, I'll do whatever it takes. Would you hear that as God's heart for you, that he'll do whatever it takes? They're singing together later in the song, and they sing, we'll bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. Our God has bled, and he's fought for us to bring in reconciliation and hope and healing to the world. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. God has created the foundation of the church as one of the main mechanisms, the gathered church, one of the main mechanisms that carries the work of his spirit. And he's given us this foundation and he's passed it on to us to experience what it means to be gathered in the body of Christ. We'll give the world to you and you'll blow us all away. That's what the song says. We'll give the world to you and you'll blow us all away. In other words, God has purpose, he has life, he has hope, and he wants to use you, regardless of your broken past or your broken life right now, wants to use you to bring love and light in the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm. These are whispers of God's heart for us that he wants to give us over and over again. And it is by his spirit, which is often experienced in community, where we experience this most profoundly. New Hope, when we gather together, like we're doing right now, our presence helps each other to experience what God by Holy Spirit is doing and speaking. Some you know, have songs and music to offer. Some have prayers. Some read scriptures in here, read scriptures to our kids. When the youth gather, there's scriptures that are read. Some share and teach the children and the youth. Some give just the best smiles. Some give hugs. Some set up coffee. Some administrate events. Some work technology. But each of us present with each other helps. We help each other to hear the Spirit of God saying, I love you. The Spirit of God saying, I'm for you. You belong. You matter, that there's hope. I cry with you, God says. I weep with you. I bless you. I forgive you. I encourage you. Abiding by the Spirit together in community is powerful because beyond us fixing our lives or having just the right insight into something, when we're gathered together, God by His Spirit speaks among us and through each other powerfully, abiding in the spirit together. Let's say together, together. Ready? Together. Hmm. A couple of thoughts of like, okay, what, what could you do to apply this in your life or to put this into your life? The first may seem 
Um, well, I'll explain it. First one is this. Membership class. As James and Donnie were mentioning, we're asking everybody to go through our membership classes. We have one that takes place Sunday morning for four weeks, one that takes place Wednesday evening for four weeks. We want you to belong, to know, to be a part of, to hear some real-time vision of what our church is and where we are going. We are living in a liminal time. That means a transition time within our culture. And there's some particular things that we want to share with you and have you speak into. So as we shift into the next phase of who our church is, that you would know. And as you are in the know and aware and being able to experience that, you are going to experience the spirit of God working through this church as you're drawn from the outside to the inside. So I encourage you, you can sign up online um, to, to come and uh, be with us. The, the second thing is, is this, to gather and serve regularly on Sundays with expectation. Everybody say, with expectation. So people, you know, I've pastored for many years now and, and oftentimes people come and they ask the question, what can this church do for me? Which is, a, I mean, a fair question. That's the way that our world thinks. What can this church do for me? That question is uh, very hard to answer. But you know, a question that's very easy to answer. If we show up to church and ask the question, what can I do for the church? If we come with the expectation that God doesn't just want to bless you, you don't come here just to eat of something, but rather to give of something. When we begin to ask that question, we'll never be disappointed because we'll find that there are great needs that we get to participate with meeting. There are great interactions and relationships and friendships and connections that can be as simple as going to church, recognizing I'm going to make eye contact with somebody and smile at them. Think about the last time somebody that you didn't expect to smile at you smiled at you. Kind of like lifts your spirit. You might even feel a little bit like, what? What? <laughs> Am I that good looking? That might be, yeah. <laughs> but I want to, if you come with that expectation of what, how can I bless? How can I serve? You will find that you are uh, experiencing just great joy coming with expectation regularly. And I challenge you with this last week as well. I mean, our culture makes it very simple and convenient to like, you know, come to church every once in a while. And I just think about all the things that people miss when they're not here regularly. Right. All the moments when God by his spirit was speaking in this room in a way that is not discernible. And it's not just through Isaac or the pastoral team or whoever's speaking up here. It's not just through the songs themselves, but there's something about God's spirit when we gather together. And I would never want you to miss any single moment of that. I want you to be, I think God wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be strengthened. He wants you to receive from the Holy Spirit that is with us as we gather in this way. Amen. It's a gift that's been given to us that culturally we're losing touch with, which I understand. That's okay. Culture can do what it's going to do, but the people of God, I think, are encouraged. Do not forsake meeting together. But we are to encourage one another by being together. And I don't think that it's very negotiable. Because if what we're saying is true, that God dwells in us with us by his spirit, when we gather together in this way, I don't know, that's a, something to be like, well, on my terms or on 
however I want to do that, I'll do that. I just don't know. We don't want to miss. And the final encouragement, James, I love what you said. You were talking to people that haven't been to a worship night to come and experience a concentrated time of worship and prayer that is, God does things beyond like what we can even like describe or understand, but by his spirit, he's, he's working. And God does this in all sorts of ways, but it, there's a real gift to come. So on next Sunday night, that's next summer, Sunday night, September 25th, 6 p.m., the youth will be in here, gather together, we'll sing, we'll worship, we'll pray, and we'll see what God does. And I'm inviting you, if you've never done this before in particular, come. Come and experience the work of the Spirit in this way. Let's come with expectation that God by his Spirit wants to work through all these things. Okay. Earlier we also read John 20, 22. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. They must have been so unsettled died and resurrected what's going to happen it's about ready to ascend to the father and Jesus said peace be with you as the father sent me into the world so I'm sending you this is us and when he had said this he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit now I don't know what that moment was like and how it worked when Jesus was breathing on them but whenever I think about somebody breathing on me, it's intimate. It's very close, right? And I think Jesus right now into your life is saying, I'm with you. And he wants to breathe strength into you very particularly for what you are facing and what you're going through to empower you and to encourage you. I've not abandoned you. I've not orphaned you come to you by your spirit, by my spirit so that you can be a sent one into the world. You don't have it all figured out, I know, but I'm with you and I will lead you. Breath from breath, the spirit of God. Light from light. Life, light and wholeness and abiding presence living in you that will lead us through every storm, every high, every low, every opportunity that life affords us to trust him.